as everybody likes to say, welcome to 2022, and you know we made it through 2021. 2021 was a year of the Lord. Whatever happened in 2021, it was the Lord's year. And 2022 is no less a year of the Lord. In fact, for each one of us, it needs to be more a year of the Lord. That's the, the goal in our life as we go from one year to the next, that uh, each year we make it more a year of the Lord for ourselves. It's, it's his gift to us. He's the Lord of time. And so we have to uh, see that in our lives he becomes uh, more Lord of our lives. This uh, little bit of time uh, that has been given to us uh, to sanctify and to consecrate. So from one year to the next, we try to, to make each year more a year of the Lord. To accept and appropriate to ourselves the redemption from sin uh, that Jesus offered us uh, by, by coming uh, to the earth, by giving himself to us so that we might become uh, cleansed and acceptable and pursuing good works. And also to claim the divine filiation that we have received, that divine sonship that we have received by adoption, because as we heard in the second reading today, uh, God himself chose to be born of a woman, born under the law, uh, so that we might also have that adoption uh, as sons of God, as children of God. This day commemorates the, the circumcision of our Lord. On the eighth day, uh, the child was circumcised according to the law. This day commemorates the naming of the Lord, for at the circumcision, as we read in the Gospel, the parents gave him his name, uh, Jesus, which means a saviour. So those are the two things, really, that we're commemorating on this day. And in, in order that we might be able to ce celebrate each mystery, the Church traditionally has celebrated this day as the day of the circumcision, and then tomorrow, uh, in former times, if we were doing the traditional Latin Mass, we'd be celebrating the holy name of Jesus, the day after the circumcision. With the reform of the calendar, the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus was, was abolished. St. John Paul II brought it back in as an optional memorial, I think on January 3rd. Um, nevertheless, we will, on January 3rd as it happens, um, on Monday, celebrate a votive mass of, of the Holy Name in the traditional uh, Latin uh, rite, if you, if you wish to come along. But also from earliest times, this day has been associated with the Blessed Virgin Mary. In fact, very soon after uh, the, the, you know, the, the celebration of the Feast of Circumcision became customary on this day, it was also uh, uh, made a day of celebration of the motherhood of Mary. Because the motherhood of Mary is key to the, uh, the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Mary is the mother of God. If her son is God, she must be the mother of God. To deny that Mary is the mother of God is to deny that her son uh, is God. So from earliest times there was this double celebration. In fact, sometimes there would be one mass of the circumcision and then another mass in honor of the maternity of Mary. Now, uh, in fact, the feast is simply called the maternity of Mary, the motherhood of Mary. So we tend to forget the circumcision. But we have to, we have to keep all these mysteries together. 
the circumcision, the naming, uh, and the maternity of Mary. Why is the circumcision so important? Because it is the first time our Lord shed his blood. It is also him accepting the mark of sinners. You know, we're told that he came in the form of sinful flesh. Well, that's what we see. He takes on, his, 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 his flesh is without sin, but yet he takes on the form of sinful flesh. And he subjects himself to the law. He humbles himself. There's a meditation um, from uh, a Dom Benedict Bauer, who died in 1963, a German Benedictine monk. He was archabbot at St. Martin's Abbey in Bouron in Switzerland. Uh, it's, it's not just a, a sentence, so bear with me, but it explains very well um, the mystery of this day. Today the Church celebrates the octave of the birth of Christ and the Feast of the Circumcision. At the circumcision, the child received the name Jesus, Saviour and Redeemer, and for the first time shed blood for the redemption of men. Although he was Lord of the Sabbath and in no way subject to the law of Moses, Christ freely and willingly submits to the prescriptions of the law. Although entirely sinless, he who is the Holy of Holies desires to appear before men as a sinner and to bear the mark of sin on his own holy body. He conceals the fullness of grace and holiness which he possesses and subjects himself to the law of circumcision to which the other children of Israel were obliged. What sublime humility he shows by this act of submission. Such is the way of eternal wisdom. His name was called Jesus. He humiliates himself by submitting to circumcision. And God exalts him because of this sublime humility. <clears throat> the Church is deeply stirred by this voluntary humiliation of the incarnate Word of God. She listens as he declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Neither miracles nor deeds of great valor are required of us, but only a deep and true humility. That is the first lesson our Lord wishes us to learn. He knows that the cause of our unfruitfulness is our pride. And in his divine wisdom, he tells us through St. Peter, In like manner, ye young men, be subject to the ancients. And do you all insinuate humility one to another? For God resisteth the proud, but to the humble he giveth grace. This axiom then should light our way as we enter the new year. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let us choose the path which Christ points out to us, the way of humility. We will possess the Spirit of Christ in the measure that we imitate his humility. Today he gives us a sublime example of his humility in the Gospel. And in Holy Communion he furnishes us with the strength to follow where he has led. Humility is the way to grace and to a life in union with God. Let us try to understand the lessons of the liturgy and practice them in our daily life. Archbishop Fulton Sheen also speaks about a kind of humility when he speaks of childlikeness. And he says um, in one of his sermons on, uh, or essays on, on Our Lady, Christianity began with the worship of a babe, and only by the continued recognition of childlikeness will men be recognized as children of God. 
But childlikeness is not childishness. To be childish is to retain in maturity what should have been discarded at the threshold of manhood. Childlikeness, on the contrary, implies that with the mental breadth and practical strength and wisdom of maturity, there are associated the humility, trustfulness, spontaneity, and obedience of the child. It is the proud and the prigs and the bullies who make social life difficult. The people who love the first places, who insist always on their own right, who refuse to serve unless they can be chairman, who throw their weight around whenever by fair means, whether, whether by fair means or by foul. Against all of these, our blessed Lord sets himself. First of all, by being obedient to his parents, and then at the end of his life, by taking a towel and washing the feet of his disciples. So it is that the Son of Man did not come to have service done him. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for the lives of many. So that childlikeness, that humility that we should strive for. But also, thinking today also of Mary's maternity, we read elsewhere that the Church celebrates the august prerogative of this divine maternity that was conferred on a mere creature and made her the co-operatrix with Jesus in the great work of man's salvation. You know, we think of Mary at the visitation, she was really quite visibly the Ark of the Covenant, uh, she contained within her uh, God, God himself and, and bore, her, bore him in, in her womb. But now she has brought forth the infant God. And now she adores him who is her son. She has the right to call him her child. And he, God, as he is, calls her in strictest truth his mother. Uh, one could say in a certain sense that as, that as man, God chose to be obligated to uh, be subject uh, to his mother. So we have this beautiful mystery of God obeying a woman and a woman commanding her God. In Mary's heart a united love and adoration. When she looks upon the child, she loves the child as mother. She adores the child as a creature adoring her creator. Yes, we should have great veneration and love for the mother of God, who is our mother also. The same Archbishop Fulton Sheen, whom I quoted just now, says, you know, that our, our Lord spent three hours redeeming the world on the cross. He spent three years teaching his disciples. He spent 30 years with his mother. Think of the wisdom that his mother must have acquired if his disciples acquired sufficient wisdom in three years to go and spread the gospel to all the world, how much wisdom must our mother have acquired in those 30 years with her son, when at first she would be teaching him, and then he would be teaching her? And for those who think that we Catholics um, honor Our Lady too much, it's worth recalling, as Fulton Sheen does, that uh, our Lord spent three times as much time with his mother as he did with his disciples. So we can't overdo our love of Mary. Let us today ask her intercession as we did at the beginning of Mass um, that we might uh, adore this child whom she bore. But also we might uh, be more aware also
that we are sons of God uh, by adoption.